0: This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue in a new series we began just last week. It's the Sermon on the Mount as we find it in Matthew's Gospel, comprising chapters 5, 6, and 7. Pastor Jim is going to hone in on verse 3 of chapter 5 this week. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Those are the words introducing the first beatitude that Jesus taught from the top of a hill on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. What does Jesus mean by poor in spirit? Who are these people? Well, if you join us every day this week, you'll know the answer to that question, as well as in what specific way these people are blessed. Here is today's slice of the sermon entitled, Come to God on His Terms. But Jesus was clear in pronouncing that believers receive from God something only he can give. And it helps us represent Him in character. Now, no one can claim that kind of blessedness apart from God. You can't achieve this. It has to be given to you. You cannot be a recipient of the blessedness of these beatitudes if you're not a partaker of the divine nature of the Son of God by means of redemption. That's what Peter was talking about. Now, Peter wasn't the only one that heard that. Paul declares essentially the exact same thing in slightly different words. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, he writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What's he saying there? This is intrinsic to God. God is blessed. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with, what? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Now, I just got to point this out to you and I'll I'll confess to you, it was a real close call in my mind whether I was going to preach through Ephesians or through the sermon on the mount. I obviously chose the Sermon on the Mount. I reserve the right to get to Ephesians uh, one of these days. But I want you to see that there's something very similar about that passage in Ephesians and our passage in the Sermon on the Mount. That verse I just read to you, Ephesians 1.3, is the beginning of a most spectacular sentence. I think it's the longest sentence in the New Testament. I'm almost sure it's the longest sentence in the New Testament. It's 134 words long in Greek. If you ever wrote that for an English composition teacher, they would rip you to shreds. But in Greek, there's a lot more precision. And as a matter of fact, you'll notice in, I think, almost every English translation, nobody makes it into one sentence. Because we don't have that many ways to connect relative clauses and portray uh, participles and, and, and have you know this subordinate to that and connected to that and all of this. But he says... We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, comma. And then he goes on all the way through verse 14 explaining what that means. Well, that's what Jesus is doing here in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those who are this. Blessed are those who are this. And then he elaborates on what that means. Now, this passage then, the the Beatitudes, not just verse 3, this passage is All at once, the definition of a Christian defines what kind of people belong to this relationship with God. It is also the blueprint of God's plan for shaping your character because you want to, uh, as much as within you lies, you want to uh, develop these characteristics and get better and better at them to shape your character. And it's also the outline or the summary of the attitudes of the kind of people who are going to enter heaven. Now, that brings up something else. When Jesus spoke this, remember he was in Galilee. It was at the height of his popularity. There were huge crowds of people who were there, and among them were Pharisees. And the Pharisees were the ones who dominated what was being taught in the synagogues. And Jesus is going to say, feel free to read ahead if you would like, Jesus is going to say, you need a righteousness which surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, or you're not even going to see the front porch of heaven. You have to have something they can't achieve. Well, if you asked anybody who was listening that day, who are the most righteous people around? They'd have said, any Pharisees in the crowd? They're the ones because the Pharisees loved to demonstrate how righteous they truly believed that they were. And so Jesus is very much in a frontal way attacking self-righteousness in this passage. So these beatitudes are ingredients of discipleship. They are marks of discipleship. They are ideals of character, but they define the people who are part of the kingdom of heaven. Now, as we begin our study through these pronouncements of blessing, get ready for some incredible ideas. You're going to be impressed and your mind is going to be stretched by Jesus's skill in teaching by way of paradoxes. He loves to say this. As you work through the uh, Beatitudes, you're going to see Jesus talk about wealthy paupers, happy mourners, unaggressive conquerors, lusting saints, and I chose that word on purpose to confuse you so that I can explain it when we get there, self-enriching benefactors, realistic visionaries, victorious peacemakers, and winning losers, He's he's stretching people to understand what he was saying. Now, if you're overviewing the Beatitudes, you would notice the first four primarily involve your response to God. And the rest of them, four more or five more, depending on how you uh, count them, uh, they have more to do with your relationships to other people. So as I said, we're going to go all the way through one verse today. First question. Who is blessed? Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, the operative word there is poor. That's the key word. It's a, it's a very strong word. It's a word that means shrinking from somebody or something or cowering or cringing like a beggar. It describes a person who is reduced to begging and has no sense of self-worth at all. Now, what's interesting is to see that this is one of two words that occur in the New Testament that both are legitimately translated poor. They both mean the opposite of rich, but with an important distinction between the two. The other word for poor, not this one, the other word for poor means one who is described as uh, serving himself in the sense that he has to work hard by his own labor to eke out the necessities. It's somebody who's barely making it. There's no savings account. There's no wealth of resources works hard for a living, works long hours for a living, can't get a day off. If he, if he quit working, he would soon have serious needs or he would be begging. But the word that's used here is to describe a different shade of need. This is the person who can't achieve anything except by begging. The person who can't even work for... Um, Minuscule leaving, uh, 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 living, not self-sufficient in any way. Um, he lives not by his own labors. He exists completely on the generosity of others. Now, the other kind of poor—that well, may be something that somebody that has nothing extra. We would say they live well below the the poverty line. Their their wages are not sufficient for them to have much. But the one who is poor, like this word translated poor, as in poor in spirit, has nothing at all. It is the depth of destitution. So, those who are blessed are those who are recognizing they are totally dependent upon the mercy and the grace of God. I bring nothing to the table. What it means to be poor in spirit. Absolutely nothing that can help your spiritual condition before God. Now, it's significant that Jesus chose this word and that the Holy Spirit chose to have Matthew use this Greek word for this first description of blessed ones. It is so exactly antithetical to everything that the Pharisees said and did. He chose it on purpose. You are blessed, in this sense, when you've been brought into the family of God and you are His own true child and you realize that apart from Him, you have nothing. You have no hope. You are totally empty. You realize your complete reliance, your complete dependence on Him and that without Him, you are nothing. So, understand, this is saying... You need God. He doesn't need you. He's not looking for a few good men. That's not who he's recruiting. He's looking for those who understand, I don't deserve to be with you. I have nothing to offer. Now, there are people who have earthly blessings. There are people who are wealthy and who are also godly. There was um, there was Abraham, there was Job, there were others in the Old Testament, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, the ones that took care of burying Jesus. They were materially wealthy. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program.